you bow with me again this morning as we pray? Heavenly Father, it's again an opportunity that I cherish to get to stand and talk to this congregation today to share with them some truths that I've gleaned from this passage. I pray that you'll be honored as we studied this in Sunday school, as we've been preparing our hearts over the week to come together to hear the word preached. I pray that today that we'll each listen to the Holy Spirit. We'll each listen to the word as it's read and that you'll be honored. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. As we look at this passage and, and so many times when we come into the, to the worship service, if we look at the passage, we see it's really directed right straight at us who are saved. And I want to just say again that, that the most important thing that will ever happen in your life isn't what we're going to study about today, the lady's daughter having the demon cast out of her, as important as that was, or the man being able to speak and to hear, as important as that is. The most important thing is, do you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? And I emphasize that because I, I study, the more I study, the more I read, the more I see men who are becoming very concerned, even about those of us who attend church, whether we've genuinely come to know Christ or because of the culture we live in, we've developed the answers to all the questions that we might ask, and we have a, a just a surface knowledge and not a real heart knowledge. And I want us to all deal with that. I do. I, I hope that all of you do. Is there assurance that we know Christ is our Savior and Lord? And if you don't, I just want to remind you that God did love us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross that through the shedding of His blood we might be saved. And what He says for us to do is to repent to turn from our evil way and to turn to Him. He doesn't tell us to join the church. That becomes a later part of our experience. The first thing is to come to know Christ as your Savior and Lord. And if there's never been a time in your life where you know that you have come to the end of yourself and you really wanted Jesus to be in control of your life, that you wanted God to direct you in every way and everything that you do, I beg you today to do that for His glory. And then as we walk ourselves through this story, and, and the more I've studied, the more I've thought about this passage, the more it's one of those things that I don't do very often, but some ways I just feel like talking about it, not just putting it into to points, although I have three, uh, but just to share with us and kind of bring it down home to us because the title of it is Basic Rules for Living Compassionately. And I wonder sometimes how compassionate that we as Christians really are. I wonder if, if we really understand what it means to have a godly compassion for others. And I, and I looked up this word as I thought about that, and, and I asked myself, am I compassionate or am I judgmental? It's very easy to be judgmental of people. Do you all know that? Most of us, the first time we see somebody, we form an opinion of them. It can be good or it can be bad. You're introduced to somebody, and you say, good to meet you, Mr. Jones, and you talk to him for a while, you go away with an impression. You form an opinion about what he's like, or who, if it's a she, what she's like. That's very easy, and sometimes our opinion is judgmental of how, what people are until we get to know them. We need to think about them. We need to hear more about them. And I think, and, and I'll use this as an example, having grown up in a gymnasium, I think a lot of times we do it toward the coaches, especially on the other team. We see them and we become judgmental of them. We don't 
find out who they are, what they are, how do their heart beat, what is, who is the real person, not just what I see at this time. Or we see people in need and we become judgmental of them. And, and I looked up this word compassionate. I, I, man, it's amazing how many adjectives there are for that word, isn't it? I want you to think about this word or words that mean the same thing. Sympathetic. Are you sympathetic toward people? What about understanding? Caring? Sensitive? Tender-hearted? Loving? Gentle, considerate, kind, and big-hearted, and that's only half of the words that were there. I thought, how many of these words, what would people, if people were talking about me, would they use any of these words to describe me as a Christian? Or would they see me as a judgmental Christian? Or am I a compassionate? compassionate man of God. What I hope and pray today is that when we leave here, that all of us will be identified as compassionate people. I remember over the years of pastoring, most of the churches I've pastored have had a benevolent fund where the church takes care of the people that are in need. Here we do it through a community fund. So I've dealt with people for years that would come by the church and have a need, or even people within the church that would have a need. And, and undoubtedly, folks, every time we started talking, especially about somebody in the church, that had a need, we always had those who could convince us if they just take care of their money, they had plenty. Have you all ever met anybody like that? They just take care of their need. I remember when I was in Jenkins the first time. I won't call the family's name because somebody may listen to this on our internet. But I can remember this family that was going through whatever they were going through. And he had lost his job, and yes, he smoked, and he tipped the bottle. There's no question about that. Everybody knew that. And I remember us talking about helping them. And they said, well, if he just quit drinking, the family would have plenty. If he just quit smoking, the family would have 20. But we'll help them. But when we help them, we're going to go with them, which I don't have a problem with that to make sure the money's spent well there. But we're not buying any pop with it because that's a luxury. We're not buying this with it because that's a luxury. Now, this isn't for a pat on my back, but I, I saw that family... I watched that mother come to church and that wife come to church and ask us to pray that her husband would get saved. And they had these little kids, two little ones, probably seven, eight at the time, six. And I remember one day God said to me, Tony, when, they, when she leaves today, I want you to give her some money so she can take those kids over to Norton, Virginia to McDonald's. I want them to be able to experience what the rest of the kids get to experience, not just the food that we hand them. Yes, George drank, and yes, George smoked, and you all know how I feel about drinking especially, and the only thing I say about smoking, somebody said, well, send you to hell, no, but it'll sure make you smell like you've been there. 
But there was a day that a man walked in the back of that church and he sat down. And there was a day that that man got up and walked the aisle and he gave his heart and his life to Jesus. And that man that used to tip the bottle and smoke the cigarettes came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord. Were we a compassionate people? Do we really care? I know Alice could tell us she's been taken to the cleaners, I'm sure, by trying to help people. I'm sure the church has on occasions. I know it has. I know ones I've pastored have. When you have a family to drive up and you can see how poor they are, maybe they've wasted their Money, I don't know about that. But you can see they're hungry, they're hurting. Can we in the name of Jesus be compassionate? I'm not telling you I'm a compassionate person. I've learned to give, and Peggy's taught me how to learn to give. It didn't come easy for me. A few months ago I was the five star. I don't know why the lady came to me, but she did. And she said, Could, I've got my son here. He needs to be at the Veterans Hospital in Louisville. We don't have any money. We don't have any gas. Can you get us some gas? I said, sure, I'll do it. And something just said to me, I don't think those people have had anything to eat, just looking at them. And I said to her, did, have y'all eaten anything? Do you have any money to get anything to eat with? And she said, no. And I said, well, let's go into Five Star. You get whatever you want. She picked up two or three items, and she said, I need this. My son's a diabetic, and he needs, I guess it's sweets. Is that right? I'm not a diabetic. And she didn't hardly get anything. And I said, is this all you want? She said, just enough to take care of us till we get there. You see, most people aren't out to take care of you. A lot of people just don't know how to take care of themselves. And a compassion. When you do that, you see this lady came to Jesus. Her, her, now, you know that she couldn't have no control. She couldn't do anything for herself, could she? Her little girl is possessed by a demon. And the only, only hope that she had was this man, Jesus, to do something for her. And how does this compassion begin? It begins like all compassion does normally, and that's with a dialogue. Find out about somebody. Learn about them. See what's going on in their life. What can I do to help? You know, listen, folks, there's people out here everywhere that you can show compassion to, and you don't have to give away the store. That's what I'm not talking about that. But there's things going on in their life. You say, Tony, why are you talking about yourself? Because, not because I want any reward for it. In fact, the Bible says when you do something for somebody, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing, right? I'm giving it to you as what God has done for me and the experiences that God has given us the challenge and the opportunity to be involved with. And sometimes it wasn't easy for me. And Peggy would say, Tony, give something. Give, do. And you know what? 
God used that to help me to understand that to hand that $20 bill or to hand that bigger bill to somebody was something that was glorifying Him and was having compassion on somebody else. I'll never forget the day we stopped over in Richmond, Kentucky and went into the restaurant over there to eat and the little girl waited on us and, and, and Peggy's one that if you, she waits on you, she's going to know who you are before you get through with the meal. That's just her nature. And we began to talk to the little girl and she was at Eastern Kentucky in, in the school and she, had, she was a single mom and she had a little boy and he would, she was talking about him and how they'd go to the uh, uh, Walmart and he'd always want to grab this toy and that toy and this and that. But when they get up to the checkout, he only gets to keep one. That broke my heart. And maybe it doesn't break your heart. Maybe that's, some of you think that's too many. But they'd have to go through and she'd say, you can only have one of these. And you know you give a tip. I want to let you on on this. Some of you have been waitresses. But what I understand, you don't always get your tip. Sometimes they put it in a bundle and divide it among everybody. I tip because I think that person's done a super duper job. So we said to her, we want to give you something, but you stick this in your pocket. It's not a tip. This is a gift. We'll tip you, but this is your gift. Because it was almost Christmas time, and we wanted her to be able to do a little more than she could do. Where did I learn this? I learned it by my wife pushing me, but I really learned it, learned it from the book, didn't I? Because we don't look at ourselves. We get more by what we give away than what we keep. Did y'all know that? We've got some of the most generous, giving, compassionate people in this church I've ever met. I could call some of them's name. I won't. Amazing. But we all need to be compassionate givers. We all need to learn sometimes even when we may not understand why Let's go ahead and do it so God can be honored through us. So Jesus says to this lady, what does he say? They begin to talk and she says, look, I need some help. I've got a little girl that's home. She has a demon and I want her cast out. And Jesus said, well, look, I didn't come to your people. I came to the Jews, didn't he? So I'm not going to help you. And then he talked about feeding the dogs and she said, or the children, she's, and, and she says, don't even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. Man, he saw something in her there. Your faith is, has done this for me, even though you didn't qualify. But I'm going to do something special for you anyway. And what did he tell her? He sent her home. And what did she find out when she got home? She found her little girl healed. Well... You see, it's about like the lady at the well. I'm not going to read you the scripture, but it's found in Luke chapter, or John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. And you remember the woman came to the well, and what did Jesus do? He didn't look at her and say, man, this is, this is a Samaritan, and I'm a Jew, and I'm just going to sit here and ignore her. What did he say to her? Will you give me a drink of water? Compassion. What happens before that conversation ends? This Jew, though he didn't mean supposed to speak to a Samaritan, let alone a woman, 
and let alone said, give me a drink. She said, I have nothing for you to drink out of, but what I drink out of. And what did he do? He went from there to, if you only knew, I can give you water that will never end. And then she comes to know who he is, the true Jesus. And what does she do? She runs into town and tells everybody, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. He set me free. Why? Because he had compassion. I needs go. I needs go. I've got to be there. You know what? Sometimes God says to us, we need to be in a particular place so we can do a particular thing for a particular person. Let me share something with you folks. If you ever give to anybody or do something, it isn't just giving financially, it's doing for them. And you think you've been taken to the cleaners? You, you weren't taking the cleaners if you did it with a heart that's right. They took it from Jesus because you did it in His name. You did it for Him. Can I get an amen on that? You see, folks, this compassion and caring is so important in our lives. And I missed it for a long time. I'm confessing to you, I missed it. Many a time I've said when, when I, I'd see somebody, well, you know, if, if they just did this, if they just did that. And I found that once God conquered that in my life, it's been such a blessing to experience the joy of giving. Then he doesn't just stop there. We see compassion begins with dialogue. And then we see that compassion befriends people as well. If you go there 31 through 39, we see him talking about the man who couldn't hear and, and, and couldn't speak. And what, what does Jesus do? Jesus takes care of him just like he did the little girl, didn't he? It's kind of odd how he did it. I, I mean, did you ever think about it? He went and stuck his fingers in his ears. Spit on his hand, stuck it on his tongue. Gosh, Tom, that don't sound very appetizing, does it? But Jesus doesn't do things the way we do it. He does it the perfect way. And so what happens to this man? This man does exactly what we see happen when Jesus has intervened. He begins to speak and he begins to hear. Oh, what an experience it must have been. Think about it. This man had a great need. Jesus gives us a great example in Luke. The Good Samaritan story. We talk about the Good Samaritan, don't we? But it's found there in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Any of you could get up here probably and tell the story about the man. But, but I've been dealing with this now for two weeks and waking up at night and thinking about just this story. Because you see, it was a preacher that walked by and neglected him, wasn't it? Now I realize I'm using Christian terms here instead of the Jewish term. It was the deacons that walked by and ignored him, wasn't it? It was the trustees that walked by and ignored him, wasn't it? But it was that guy that we didn't want anything to do with who showed up. And what did he do? He goes over to him and he binds up his wounds and he takes him to the nearest place that he can for him to be taken care of, the end, and puts him up and pays the man and says, look, if he needs anything else and it costs more than what I've left with you, I'll be back this way. 
and you can count on me, I'll take care of it. Think about it, church. Think about it individually, not as us as a church, but individually. How many times has God placed somebody in our sight that we've walked around when we knew that if we'd walked to them, we could have done something very special for them that may have changed their whole life, that may have made a difference in who they are today? Because we look beyond their circumstances to Jesus and said, we don't care, we see a need here, and we're going to meet this need. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. And you see, if you look at the third part of this, the thing is, Jesus never wanted something in return. Compassion simply met the needs. Jesus never asked them. If you look at the lady at the, uh, that had the issue of blood, we studied about her a few days ago, didn't we? When she was healed, Jesus didn't say anything about her except what did He say? He says, daughter, He said to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. He loved her. I, I'm going to tell you something. I know from being saved, I want to serve Him the best I can every nanosecond of every day. That's my desire. Now, boy, I want to tell you something. Tony can blow it big time. Have you ever blown it in your life? But that doesn't mean that isn't what I want in my life. And I believe if you could go back and interview all of these people that Jesus healed, these thousands of people that Jesus fed, maybe many of them, they were just there for the dinner. But I'll guarantee you those He healed, if you could talk to them, they would give you a testimony of what it meant just to glorify Him because of what He did for them. I got to thinking about some of those that had died or some of those that were sick. You remember the mom going down the road with her, going and following her son that was in the funeral possession and Jesus sees her, sees her hurt, sees that's the only son she has and he walks up and he touches that boy and he comes alive. Can you imagine what that mom would tell us today if she could stand here and give her testimony of who Jesus is? Could you imagine Martha and Mary when they talk about Lazarus after they just got through ringing, Jesus, ringing him out saying, if you'd only been here, it's your fault. It's always the preacher's fault, by the way. It's always somebody's fault. Who's the easiest person to blame was Jesus just because he didn't show up. He said, hold on a minute. He showed his love. He went, he stood there at the tomb and wept. Uh, I've heard all kinds of rumors why he wept. The Bible doesn't tell us why he wept. It said he wept. I think there's two obvious answers, but they both may be wrong. So this is Tony's interpretation. One, he identified with the family. Lazarus has died. He wanted them to see that he had an emotion about it too. It wasn't that he neglected him by just staying away from him. He loved him. I think the second one was, which may be the most on my mind, He's bringing him back to this old world. And who would want to come back after you've been there? Either way it went, Jesus literally wept. He didn't, didn't say he cried. Didn't say he shed a tear. He said he wept, didn't he? Have you ever heard anybody weep? A lot of difference. A lot of difference when you weep than when you shed a tear or cry a little bit. What did Jesus ask in return? The Bible doesn't tell us He asked anything. 
But what do you think that family did in return? The logical thing is, is when Jesus has done something so special, you want to give yourself to Him. So I think this lesson shares something with us, a compassion that would cause a a demon to be cast out of a mother's little daughter, a man who couldn't hear or couldn't talk to be healed, and we can go through all those other things, shows us what a joy it is, and we look and see what God has done for us. And you all know it, and I know it, every one of us have an ailment of some kind, especially if you got any age on you where you ache or whatever may happen. Wouldn't it be just nice if God would just touch you and take that ache away? Wouldn't it be great if God had touched that place in your health that you want healed and just take care of it and take it away? It would be so exciting. We'd run around and tell the whole world if we could do that. It doesn't matter who it is, but yet He did more for me when He gave His Son to die on the tree, to die on Calvary. And one day He called me and knocked at my heart's door and told me He wanted me to be a part of His forever family. He convicted me as a little boy, and I'm so thankful for that. Some people He doesn't convict till later on in life, and you see them jump with joy sometimes. You see them shout. I've seen them shout when they get saved. I saw Tim the other day when he gave his heart to Jesus, just said, it's coming. I never felt anything like this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that. We need to have compassion on a lost world, and we need to give them Jesus. Folks, we've lost our compassion. We've lost our sensitivity. We've lost our considerate attitude, our understanding that this world is going to hell without Jesus. Some of them need financial help. Some of them need physical help. All of them need spiritual help. How compassionate are we to those around us? Do we want them to know Jesus? And then another question I want to ask you, do we want those who profess to know Jesus to live like they know Jesus? Can you imagine what a testimony it is when you tell somebody you're saved, you know Jesus, and they watch your life and they see the very things that they know the church stands against, you standing for, how can they have any consideration of the reality of what it means to be saved? Did you all read the obituary? Some of you probably did online of the guy, I think he's from somewhere out west that died, the cowboy, in his obituary, what he said. I think when I saw it was on there, a million and some people had looked at it. It was a joke. He was the one that always brought the beer to the party. And he's going now to wherever he's going, like he's going to heaven, and he's the one who'll bring the beer and the ice to all of them that's gone on ahead. How sacrilegious it can be. And you have a million-something people liked it. Liked it. We don't take serious, as the church, what it means to be saved. And I'm not talking about First Baptist Sonora. I'm talking about the general church. And we sure don't take consideration anymore, it seems, that there's a lost world going to hell. 
We have got to become convinced that we need to talk at least to our family that is lost about Jesus. From there to our friends about Jesus. And wherever God gives us an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. Then they'll see what compassion is all about. It's coming to know Jesus as our Savior and Lord. How about our compassion? Where would we go on the scale today if God, if God would give us the measurement of where it should be and where we are? As Andrew comes to lead us in our hymn of invitation as our musicians come, I want to ask you today to look at your life as I look at my life. And folks, I want to tell you, when we, when we study to pre present a message, we don't just go and put it down and say, I'm going to go in there and preach it. We go through that message. We go through attitudes that we've had. This one, you think that I, God didn't take me back to every person that I didn't show compassion on. I don't know whether He took me to every one of them, but He sure took me to some of them and what my attitude was that I didn't show it. That I would remember where I came from to where I am now. I don't know how compassionate you would consider me to be. Some will never consider me to be a passion, uh, compassionate because you see, I'll have to make some decisions. I'll have to stand sometimes when people don't understand and they'll be angry at me. They'll be difficult times for me. I understand that. Listen to Charles Stanley this morning, the rest of a sermon I started. And Charles Stanley was talking about when he first went to First Baptist Atlanta, how a group wanted to crucify him. And he said the hardest part of it was that some of them who would come up to him one Sunday and tell him what a great preacher he was, and the next Sunday they wouldn't even speak to him. But he said, you know, congregation, and you know how many is in his congregation, the important thing wasn't whether they liked Charles Stanley or not. The important thing was, did God like Charles Stanley? Because he was doing the right thing. And that's what it has to be with every one of us. Every day of our life, and when we get to where we'll be everything that God would have us to be, we'll be a compassionate people. We'll be a compassionate toward the lost out here. We'll be compassionate toward those that are in need of whatever that need may be. And we won't address it from the, any standpoint except, God, what do you want me to do? So our conscience can be clean and pure that we did the right thing. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. This is your song of response. If you need to respond in any way, I stand here. Salvation, church membership, confession, whatever it may be, this is your opportunity. Lead us, Andrew.